right. Good morning, church. How we doing? Morning. All right. We got we got a couple broad-eyed, bushy-tailed folks. So I, I appreciate that. Um, listen. Let me let me say first and foremost, man. Happy Father's Day to the to the dads in the room. Um, man, I, I I think like we just saw in the video, man. I think it's. Um, for for uh, for a lot of us, it is it is the the true picture of of uh, superherodom, um, and uh, and so grateful for so many of you uh, who who have come, who brought your family here this morning, man. We're we're grateful for you. Listen, what I want to do uh, this morning is uh, is I do want to share just a little bit of my story because um, I do, I do think it, it lends itself in, in in so many ways to to Father's Day and, and just the the difference that a that a good dad makes. And, and I think in so many ways, it's not, um, not glorious. It's not, um, uh, it, it doesn't often get, I think, external praise, but um, man, God has plans um, just in, in the midst of our lives that show itself in, in so many small ways, in so many subtle ways. Um, and, uh, and, and as I was praying, I was like, man, how do you, how do you start off Father's Day with like, something manly, you know, like, like, you know, I, I don't have big biceps. Uh, yeah, you, you, your boy doesn't like hunt and shoot stuff. And so I was just like, what's the manliest story I got? Um, and, uh, and, and so here, here's my manly story. A couple years ago, um, I'm in the Denver airport. I'm flying back to North Carolina. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, it's like if you've flown even remotely recently, um, it's not a fun adventure, uh, shall we say the least. And then it's like when, the, when they get you on board, it's like one clump of humanity um, that they just shove on the plane all at the same time. And so it's like we're getting on the plane in this like big ball of people. And, um, and as we're like shuffling on, there's this dude beside me and he is just staring at my empty sleeve. And, um, and now listen, like some of you men in the room, you might be like me, my native language is sarcasm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an English speaker second, sarcasm speaker first. And uh, man, I'm about to clap back at this dude and shut him down. And before I could say anything, home, exactly, I'm right there with you, girl. Um, before, before I could say anything, homeboy goes, was it a bear? And, and it, and in, and in my heart, I'm like, he he can't be he can't be this dumb. Like there's there's no way. And uh, and so I I ask for clarification, not to assume my man's intelligence. And uh, and I go, was it a what? And he goes, a bear. The arms. Was it a bear? And I was like, all right, we're gonna do this. Um, and uh, and so the only thing I could think to say to him was like, I looked at him and I'm like, bro, is this like when we're sitting in church on Sunday? And the pastor's starting to finish up his sermon. And then, you know, your, your stomach's like, and you're hungry. And it's just like, you realize probably like a lot of you are right now. Like you're hungry, you're thinking about your, your Father's Day dinner and you want fried chicken. But it's not like you just want any fried chicken. You don't want chicken thigh or chicken breast. Like you just want some good old fashioned chicken legs. That's just the mood you're in. Did this bear wake up one morning? His, his little bear tummy was like, and he's like, you know what? I don't, I don't want like a people head or, or like squishy people middle. I just want some good old fashioned people arms. Like that's the only thing. That's the only thing that's going to make me a happy bear. You telling me I met the pickiest bear in the woods and he went for the arms. And, uh, and he kind of, he's like processing through it. And he goes, 
no. Now, like, that's right, you moron, no. And, uh, and then it was like immediately, as soon as like the word moron left my mouth, I was like, that's not my greatest moment. Like, I, you know, here I am, like a pastor, love God, love others. I just called another human being a moron. God, in his judgment, um, put me on the middle seat for that flight, which, you know, you, you guys know the, the jockeying for the armrest that goes on in the middle seat. When you don't have arms, you just lose. Like, you just lose that battle. And so I snuggled with two very burly men from Denver to Charlotte, North Carolina. And the whole time, I could, the only thing I, th I could think of was how much of a jerk I was. And, um, and so it's like somewhere, somewhere over like Nebraska, I'm like, you know what? I want to I wanna be the bigger man. I want to go apologize. And so, you know, we finally land in Charlotte and, you know, everybody gets up to get their bags and stuff. And I'm trying to find the homeboy that, that thought a bear ate my arms. And he was in first class, of course. And, uh, and so he got off the plane way before I did. I was in the back by like the bathrooms. And, uh, and so it's like, I get off and I'm sprinting through the airport. I'm trying to find this dude. And, um, and I'm running and I see him coming from like far off. And I'm like, yeah, it's my chance. I'm going to find him. But then it was like panic sets over me. Cause it's like, you know, you guys with your handy dandy fingers, if you don't know somebody and you're trying to get their attention, you know, you just tap them on the shoulder. Um, and, you know, they're like, yes, can I help you? I can't do that. And, um, and so I'm racking my brain. I'm like, what, what do I do? And so as gently as you could headbutt another human being, I, uh, I like, I buddy bump homeboy on the shoulder. And he turns around. I guess he was like, this, this dude was kind of high strung or something because it's like his fists were balled up. Like he was ready to, to deck me in the face. And I'm like, don't hit me, I'm unarmed. And, uh, and you know, it's like, he, uh, he kind of, he, he had a little chuckle there for a second. It, it just sort of mellowed him out. And, um, and I looked at him and I was like, hey man, listen, uh, I'm sorry I called you a moron. And he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I thought a bear ate your arms. You know, we had a... We had a little moment, and then it was like, you know, then all the questions um, just started to come out of him. Like, hey, how'd you, so how did you lose your arms, or how do you do this? And it was just like, man, I got to, I got to share my, my testimony with this dude. And so um, I, I think to the, the, the short of my testimony, much like I, I shared with that guy, uh, man, this is just the way I was born. Um, you know, this is, this is all I've ever known. And kind of like I shared in Sunday school, the, the wild thing in that is that nobody knew that this was what was coming. Like mom had a healthy pregnancy and two ultrasounds. And so the expectation was to have a healthy baby boy. And so literally nobody knew anything was wrong until the doctor is holding me in the delivery room. Um, and in that moment, like not only was, was I armless, but I was, I was lifeless. I was not breathing. I was not moving. Um, the doctor moved real quick to try to find a pulse on me and he, he couldn't even find a pulse. And so what the doctor just did was he, he turned to my dad very quickly and he held me up so dad could see that I didn't have arms. And then he just really simply asked my dad, do you want us to let him go? Because the, you know, I, I, I think in the very much a worldly sense, it's like, my life doesn't make worldly sense. That's for sure. I mean, it's like, you know, think about your Sunday, you know, and, and I know that the day is pretty young, but just all of the things you've done from, you know, hitting the snooze button on your alarm clock this morning, making breakfast, getting ready, um, getting dressed, driving here. Could you imagine doing all of those things without the benefit of your fingers, your thumbs, your hands, your arms? 
And so in, I think in so many ways in a, in, a, in a world made by people with arms, for people with arms, my, my life doesn't make a whole lot of worldly sense. And, um, and I'm so incredibly grateful. That, and, and I mean, it's like, as I take a step back as a daddy of two myself, to imagine what had to be going through my dad's brain, you know, in, 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 in just that split second. And, um, and, and, and my mom said, like, dad didn't hesitate. Dad didn't stutter. He just, he just really simply said, that's my boy, and you're going to do whatever it is that you can do to try to bring him back. And, um, and man, by God's grace, you know, doctors rush me out, start to work on me. And, and, and by, by God's grace, man, I, I was brought back to life. And, you know, so doctors, doctors bring me back in. And, um, and it was crazy, though, in the next, like, I don't know, 48, 72 hours that, that we were there in the hospital. Um, like my parents were told um, by either orthopedic specialists, pediatricians. I mean, gosh, I probably saw every doctor in the hospital um, in those two or three days. My parents were told everything from I was never going to feed myself. I was never going to write. I was never going to go to normal school. I was never going to graduate. I was never going to be a fully functioning independent adult. And my dad remembers kind of like as, as, the, as the day like faded into night and the doctors left and it was just my mom and my dad. The, the one thing my dad clung to is that, you know, God in his grace is not going to call me from death to life and then go, all right, I did my job. All right, I did the miraculous. The rest is up to y'all. Um, you know, my, my dad was really clinging to the fact that it's like, God has a plan for this boy. I have no idea what that plan looks like. I have no idea how I'm going to raise this boy, but we're, we're going to make the most of the, of, of the kid that God has given us. And, um, you know, the, the, the short of it is just that man, dad, dad really did see me as just a, just a picture of God's grace. Um, dad saw himself as, as, as my greatest challenger, um, and, and my greatest encourager. Um, you know, my dad, Growing up, he made it a cuss word in our house if I said I can't, um, which is slightly problematic um, when you're trying to learn how to do everything with your feet um, because you say I can a lot. And, um, but my dad, I think, fully understood just from conversations with doctors and stuff that if they did everything for me, if, if they tried to make things easier for me on the front end, it was going to make things a whole lot more difficult for me on the back end because I'd be dependent on everybody for the rest of my life. And so dad took the tough road um, with me. And, um, and I would say both the combination of the grace of God and then the grace of my parents, man, all those things I was never supposed to do. It was like, God was like, ha, watch this. And, um, and you know, it's, I mean, truthfully, um, the short of it, whatever you guys do with your hands, I do with my feet. I mean, writing, eating, uh, typing on a cell phone, driving a car, um, using a chainsaw, which is probably not exactly... <laughs> <laughs> advisable, um, you know, in, in my situation. Um, but uh, I, I mean, truthfully, it's like I, I grew up with, with a dad that treated me just like my brother. My older brother is 6'5", 220 pounds, and is in the U.S. Special Forces. And so homeboy kills people for a living. And, um, and they, they raised us the exact same way. I mean, my, my Saturday morning chores was we, we live on an acre and a half, in, in, in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. And, um, and, and so my Saturday morning chores was I would mow our acre and a half and then I'd weed eat our acre and a half. If you've never seen an armless man weed eat, um, it, is, it is not efficient, um, it is not fast. But I, I mean, I think in so many ways, 
dad was even using that moment to, to, to prepare me and to, um, to, to mold me into the man that I am. And so, you know, I, I look back now on, on 38 years of life, and I don't feel like I've missed out, man. You know, I, I graduated high school with honors. I went to college on a full scholarship. I met the girl of my dreams there in college. We've been, we've been married 16 years. We've got a 10-year-old, a 6-year-old. And I, and I have a ministry that, truthfully, I wouldn't trade the world for. Like, my, my physical body has never been an issue for me. Um, but I think from, I mean, truly my early years of life, even till now, like, my, my greatest struggles have always been, like, emotional and spiritual. Um, my greatest struggles have been comparative. And, and I think... In the, in the visual generation that we live in, I think, you know, shout out to my millennials in the room. Um, you know, it's like for those of us that are so visually oriented and, you know, our, our lives are based around apps. Um, I remember growing up, I would compare my life to everybody else. And when everybody else in your life has arms and you don't, it puts you in a bad spot, you know. And... Um, and I remember feeling like I was less than as a kid because I had to eat with my feet. Or um, I remember feeling broken because, you know, it's like, y'all, I can't, I can't go into McDonald's. I can't go into Walmart. I can't go anywhere without getting stared at and pointed at and people taking, like, low-key iPhone camera photos of me. Um, and so growing up, I would get into this place where it's just like I, I, I hated myself, where I hated others. And I, and I question the grace of God in my life, if I'm completely honest. Because here's what I did. I used my circumstances to define the grace of God in my life. I would look at me, and I would know. You know, it's like, like a lot of us. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. We, we've, we've heard it. We know it. But I would wonder, why doesn't God love me like he loves you guys? God loves you all. He gave you ten fingers and two arms. You know, what 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 I do wrong? And um, and I just remember going into my teens and I was just done. Done with me, done with everybody else, done with God. And, um, and I was just, uh, I was a loner. I was depressed. I was frustrated. I was, I was just checked out in every conceivable way. And I got used this kid in, in my biology class in high school. He invited me to a, uh, a youth group lock-in. That's all he told me. And so I, was, I had no friends. And, uh, and so for somebody to like invite me to come hang out, I was like, oh, a friend. And, uh, and so I show up. What homeboy neglected to tell me was this was a youth group dodgeball lock-in. <laughs> if you've ever wondered what an armless pinata looks like. Um, that, that was me that night. I get beaten to death for like the first four hours of the night. And, uh, and like around midnight, this youth pastor, he gets up, he gives a devotion on, on the love of God, like literally as I'm icing my face from getting like pummeled. And, um, and the night went back on and, you know, guys went back to playing dodgeball and I just sat out. I was done. I was frustrated. And, um, and this youth pastor, I think he, he noticed me loafing and off to the side and and so he comes up to me, he starts to talk to me, and it's small talk, like him and I had never met. Hey, what's your name? Where you go to school? What you like to do? And it was just wild, because it was just like in that moment, the Holy Spirit, I think, just impressed on this guy, just the, the hard place I was in. And, and this youth pastor asked me, he's like, hey, you don't, you don't really seem to like your life. And I'm like, no, dude, like there's, there's nothing good about this. You know, it's like you just told me about the love of God, and I don't, I don't see it. I don't see God's love anywhere in my life. And this man, 
for, for at least the next hour. He just starts to walk me through scripture and the picture of God's love towards me and how he's made me. Like the psalmist says in Psalm 139, God is fearfully and wonderfully made each and every one of us in this room. Like God knew what he was doing when he made you. God knew what he was doing when he, he made me. And, um, and I think for us to understand that God shows his love and his intentionality in how he forms us to display his glory in all the world. But then God also shows his love for us in this is that while I sat in that gym that night and I was a sinner and I I'd rebelled against God and I was done with God, God shows his love for me in sending his son to live the perfect life I couldn't live, to die the death that I should die as someone who's a sinner and is a rebel. God raises him to life to show his power for both sin and death and to all who rest in him as Savior and Lord and King. God adopts him into the family of God and then he sends him out on the mission of God. And I mean, man, for me to see God's love for me through through his eyes and not mine. It, it changed my life. And to trust in and rest in what Jesus had done, what Jesus said about me, and, 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 and even me in the midst of my frailty and my brokenness, I mean, it, it gave me everything I needed to, to not only move forward in this life, but to, but to have hope in eternity. And I think for some of us today, whether you're sitting in this room and you're a daddy, whether you're sitting in this room and you're a kid, a mom, I, I think for us to fully understand our life, to be defined by the person and work of Christ is, is where we need to be. And so I just briefly want to share with us, John chapter 9 is where we're going to be this morning. So if you, you brought a copy of God's word, uh, John chapter 9, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Um, but I think it's like, especially as, as we get ready to read this, it's incredibly important to understand like this whole gospel and it's like John, John puts his, I guess almost his summary statement of the whole gospel at the very end of the book. In John chapter 20, verse 31, he says that each of these words are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so it's like, here you see that it's like this, this whole gospel is for us to understand that there's only one person in this world worth building our life on. It is not us. It is Christ. And then it, even like bookending this gospel in John chapter 1, we see in Jesus, we see in the beginning was the word, that word being Christ. The word was God. The word was with God. In him and through him, all things are made. In him is life. And that life is the light of the world. So you see on both ends of this gospel that Jesus is our life. Jesus is our everything. Jesus is our hope. And I think just as much as we see here in John chapter 9, if, if you're sitting here this morning and you don't feel like there's a whole lot of hope, you don't feel like there's a whole lot of redemption that's possible in your story, I would, I would challenge you to look at the, the life of this blind man we're about to read about. So read with me, John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And God's word says this, As Jesus passed by, he saw a man that was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It wasn't that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, Jesus spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so the blind man went and he washed and he came back seeing. 
Listen, just a, just a few things I want us to see from this scripture this morning that, that I think very much so we need to write on, on each and every one of our hearts. And the first thing is this is, I mean, God loves you. And, and, and I know that I know that I know that it's like the, the vast majority of people that are going to grace the doors of a church on Father's Day. It's like, I, I think that's a fundamental place that we, uh, that we understand that Jesus loves me. But I mean, honestly, it's like, how many times do we truthfully forget that? I mean, if you look at the people of Israel in the Old Testament, one of their greatest legacies is their short-term memory loss when it comes to the love and grace of God. I mean, truthfully, I mean, it's like, think, think of the Exodus God parts the Red Sea. God gives him a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, gives him manna, gives him quail. And what happens as soon as Moses goes up to, to get the Ten Commandments? The people are building a golden calf because they've already checked out on God. And they're like, it would have been better if we were just in Egypt than dying out here. The people very quickly and instantly forgot the grace of God. And so the same is incredibly true for us. Our circumstances, more often than not, we will allow to dictate the grace and love of God in our life. And when hard times come, it feels like he doesn't love us. And I think the same is true for this blind man right here. I mean, it's like you got to understand in context in this day, like people with disabilities 2,000 years ago do not remotely have the same treatment that we, we get nowadays. Like more often than not, when a baby was born with a disability, they were put in a clay pot and they were left off in the wilderness to die. That was, that was typically how kids that were born blind, kids that were born lame, kids even in my situation, they were, they were left for dead. Because you see the glimpse of it here when the disciples see this blind man, they go, hey, rabbi, hey, teacher, who screwed up that this guy was born this way? People with disabilities in, in, in Jesus' day and age, the culture assumed it was the picture of sin and the picture of demonic work. But I love what Jesus does. Because it's like, you've got to understand, this, this guy wasn't the destination. The blind man wasn't where they were going to stop. Like, Jesus and the disciples, they were going from point A to point B, and this dude was the detour. But Jesus takes the detour. Jesus stops. Jesus walks over to him. And now listen, like, this, this, doesn't, this doesn't say this here in John 9, but this is, this is just me inferring. But it's like somewhere in this whole story, Jesus has to stoop down. So he can spit on the dirt, so he can make the mud and, and wipe it on the blind man's face. And in, 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 like, in my mind's eye, like before Jesus is stooping to, to spit and make mud, I feel like Jesus stoops down to this blind man. And then he, he speaks the words over him that this guy wasn't born blind because of sin. I made him this way so that the works of God can be displayed in him. And I mean, it's like in, the, in this moment, like before, before the physical healing happened, like there, there, there was some emotional healing that needed to happen. There were some, there were some internal scars that needed to be dealt with. And, and so it's true for us. Like God clearly knows the, the path that you've walked. God knows your failures. God knows your sins. God knows your insecurities, your weaknesses. And you know what he says in view of all of that? He still loves you. And I think for us to not have that short-sighted understanding that it's like, man, God doesn't know what I've done. God wouldn't love me if he knew all the skeletons in my closet or all my failures or all the things I'm not. No, God knows exactly what you come with and he still pursues you and he still loves you. 
And the second thing is this, is not only does, does God love you, but God has a purpose for you. Don't miss the fact, don't, don't miss the fact right here in, in verse 3. Jesus answered, it wasn't that this man sinned or his parents, but it was that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's why he was born blind. Don't miss the fact, Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to heal him so that my works can be displayed in him. Jesus said, I made him blind so that the works of God can be displayed in him. I made him disabled so the world can see more of me in him. Some of you in here, you, you feel like a, a really poor display of, of God's grace and God's craftsmanship. You know, we see in Genesis chapter one, this like inner Trinitarian conversation when, when the Trinity says, let, let us make man in our image. Let us form and fashion man to display our glory in all the world. And, and like I shared with you guys, Psalm 139, God is forming and fashioning each and every one of us very specifically to display his image and his glory in all the world. Some of us in here, again, because of the comparative world we live in, we think that if, that if, we're, not, if we're not wordy people, if we're not natural-born leaders, if we can't get up on a stage and sing, if we can't lead a Sunday school or a small group, then what can God do with us? God, God clearly missed the boat when he made us, and, and that's not the case. There isn't a poor image bearer on this planet. Like, God, God knew what he was doing when he made you. Like, God made you for a reason, and that reason is for you to find yourself in him and then for you to live it out. As, as Jesus goes on to say over on in the next chapter, in John chapter 10, that, that Christ has come to give us life and life more abundant. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy is sitting here reminding you day in and day out that you're not good enough, that God doesn't love you, and God has no purpose for you. And Jesus is standing there going, I love you, I'm pursuing you, and I made you for a reason. And for some of us in this room, we, we have to choose to trust that purpose. We have to choose to trust that love and to not allow our circumstances to define that, but to be willing to walk in it, to be willing to know and understand, I'm not going to be like any other person in this room, but God knew what he was doing when he made me. You know, it's like, same for me. It's like, I don't understand why God had to make me in such a way where it's like the wind blows too hard and I look like a windsock at the airport. You know, it's like, I don't, I, don't, I don't quite understand what God was doing when he did that. But I do understand that, that it is a part of his purpose. And, and that's the last thing I want us to see here is that as, as, Jesus, as Jesus proclaims his love, as Jesus proclaims his purpose, as Jesus goes on to heal this guy, what Jesus is doing is he's allowing this man, the rest of John chapter 9, what you see is God uses this blind man to turn his entire city upside down. Because, I mean, can you imagine, like, if there was just like, you know, uh, over, over by Chipotle, where, where I stayed last night, you know, pretty, pretty big intersection right there by the interstate, got hotels and all sorts of stuff going on. Could you imagine if there was like blind Bart, you know, blind Bart here in town, he always sat there. He begged every day. He had his little cardboard sign. Could you imagine if you drove by one day and Blind Bart wasn't blind anymore? You know, you're going to go like, hold up. Like, that. <laughs> this ain't normal. I got, I got a lot of questions. I mean, this is, what go, this is what's going on in, in this town here in John 9. Like, this guy was blind. Now he's not. And so the Pharisees want some answers. 
And what you go on to see in, in, in verse 25 is, is as the Pharisees are grilling this dude and telling him to shut up and calling him a liar, all this blind man has to say is he says, listen, I was once blind, now I can see, and the only person that can do that is God. So if you got any issues, you work it out with him, because I sure didn't make myself not blind. God uses the weak things in the midst of this city and in the midst of this circumstances to show the world more of him. God is asking each and every one of us, as Jesus tells everybody here, look in verse 4. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work. Jesus puts out this call. This isn't like, John 9 doesn't say, Jesus turns around to the disciples like, hey, all-star team, hey, pastors, hey, deacons, I want you to go and take the gospel. Jesus is putting out this blanket statement to go to everybody who's listening, to the disciples, to the crowd that is inevitably gathered around them because everybody wants to hang out with Jesus, and even to this guy that was blind, to this guy that had no circle of influence, no education, no friends, no power, no platform. Jesus said, I want you to go. And that call for each and every one of us in this room in Christ is, is true. Jesus is calling you to go. He's calling you to leverage whatever you have, whether it's your, your family relationships, whether it's your job at your engineering firm or your job down there, down the road at Meineke, or what, whatever God has given you, he is asking you to leverage what you have for his glory and purpose and for you to just put your yes on the table, as Romans chapter 12 says, that our one acceptable form of worship is to offer up our lives as a living sacrifice. That's what God is calling for each and every one of us, to put our yes on the table before the Lord and to go, here I am, God. And, and I mean, it's hard. Like, it's hard when we get to that place and realize that this life is not about me and it's about him. It puts us in really uncomfortable places. You know, it's like, like I shared with you guys in Sunday school this morning. I hate people. Like, I am not, I, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I, hate's a strong word. Um, so let me, let, me, let me walk that back. I don't like people. Um, is, that, is that better? Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm an introvert. Like if there was a disease that wiped out all you handed people, I wouldn't be sad. Um, you know, like it'd be a li little bit more room to breathe, man. Like that, that's, that's how I operate. And, um, and, and man, for God to call me into ministry 20 years ago, I'm like, huh, you're crazy. Call me to be a vet. Don't call me to, don't call me into ministry. Like I don't, I don't like humans, but God's still called. And God continued to work, and God continued to open doors, and God continued to challenge me. And, and at every stop along the way, I found myself really insufficient for the task. But the best part is, is God is calling us to trust him and not trust us. And I mean, man, even, even a couple years ago, um, I'm sitting on the back porch. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a true, like, full-blooded Southerner. So, you know, I'm sitting on the sunshine, on the back porch in North Carolina, drinking the only tea that the Lord has ordained, and that's sweet tea. Um, and, uh, and so I'm sitting there, and, um, and so full-blooded millennial, I'm scrolling Twitter, and, um, and I came across this article on Twitter, and, and at the time it was, it was explaining um, this abortion legislation that was going through the state of Virginia at the time. And, and what the state was trying to do was to open up abortions from conception until birth for any kid with any discernible disability whatsoever. 
and even the governor of Virginia in explaining like some of the protections in this legislation, they, they even offered up a scenario in which a child could be born, could, kept, could be kept comfortable, and then a conversation could ensue between the doctor and the mother as to whether the baby should live or die. And, and man, you know, just reading that, it, it hit home. Because that, that was the conversation a doctor had with my dad the moment I was born. And, and, and I think of all of the things that my parents were told I'd never be, I'd never do. And y'all, I'm, I'm not a political person. Like I am, you know, hear me out. Like that, that's, not, that's not the space I operate in. I'm kind of like a, a Christ first, Christ and everything sort of dude. But I'm sitting here reading this article going, how many babies in the state of Virginia are gonna be killed because we don't look like you? Or, or how many babies are going to be wiped out because they don't have the same chromosomes that, that the rest of us have? Or the same mental faculties? They're not any less of an image bearer than you are. Just because you came with two arms doesn't make you a better person than me. And so in that moment, it's like, I, I didn't feel like I could be quiet, but I didn't know what I could do. And so it's just like, in, in my ignorant millennial way, I just, I shot a video on my phone, I posted it on Twitter. That was, that was like the only thing I could think of to do. And it's just like, in this quick little video, I talked about that the sanctity of human life is grounded in the fact that the creator of life has formed and fashioned us, regardless of ability or disability, to show the world more of him and his grace and his glory. That my value doesn't come from my arms, my value comes from my maker. And, um, and it was just wild that I, I mean, in the next four hours, this, this Twitter video had been viewed about 60,000 times and, uh, and had been retweeted and shared and liked and all this junk. And by the end of the night, I had a, I had a DM from, from somebody at, at Fox News and they were like, hey, dude, we, 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 saw your we, we, we saw your video. That was pretty cool. Could you turn this into an article? And we would love to post it on our website tomorrow. And, um, and now listen, A, I'm an introvert. Um, so this is terrifying. And then B, like, I'm not like a news person. Like, they're all a bunch of liars. Um, and, uh, and so I was like, this is, this is, not, this is not my thing. And, um, and so I was like, I know what will throw them off. I was like, and all I replied was, listen, all, I, I'm, not, I'm not like super smart. I don't have a master's. I don't have a PhD. All I can talk about is Jesus and, and, and armlessness. And so if you're cool with me talking about Jesus and armlessness, then we're good to go. I'm like, ha, that'll shut him down. All she replied was, that's nice. And I'm like, dang it. And, uh, and so, so that night I stayed up and, and I typed out a quick little 800 word article. I sent it to him. And of all things, like they ran this article the next day. And I mean, all it was, was, I mean, truthfully, it's just the sanctity of human life grounded in the creator and author of life. That's all I wrote. I mean, it was like theology 101, the Imago Dei. And so they ran this thing. And, and of all articles that Apple News picked up as their one push notification for every Apple device in the United States for this one Saturday morning, it was that article I wrote. And, and in 24 hours, four and a half million people read this article. And so that night, Fox News, they doubled down. They called me and they were like, hey, buddy, um, that went really well. Uh, can you be on a plane and in New York City in, I don't know, 12 hours? Um, we'd, we'd like to have you on a show. 
And they said that, and I was like, ha, huh, no. And, uh, and I just hung up the phone because it's just like, I hate people. Like, this is, I, I don't like four people, much less you like start counting them in millions and I'm out. And, um, and so I hung up and, and I was in my office and like I walked back out into the living room and, and my wife, as discerning and far more intelligent than I am, she goes, hey, baby, who's that? It's like I was Fox News and she just thought, you know, they were wanting to give like feedback on, on, the, on the piece that I wrote or whatever. And she's like, oh, what'd they say? And I was like, well, they asked me to come on a show. And she's like, oh, how exciting. And I was like, uh, I may have said no. Um, and she's like, you may have done what? It's like, I, I told them no. And, and how many of us as fathers on this Father's Day, our wife's the smartest member of the duo. Um, because my wife goes, you had a chance to share the gospel with millions of people and you tapped out. Yes, ma'am, I do believe that is what I did. Um, and, uh, and she's like, you going to call him back? I was like, I'm going to call him back. And, um, and so I called it no lie. Three hours, I'm flying from Charlotte to New York City. And, um, and like in this whole lead up in just a matter of four hours, it's crazy. Like y'all, all these shows full disclosure, um, are scripted. And so it's like, I knew my questions that I was going to get in advance. They knew my answers verbatim in advance before I got there. And so I'm just playing through everything through in, in my head. We get there, we start talking about abortion, pro-life stuff. Halfway through this interview, this, this woman that was interviewing me, Martha McCallum, um, she asked me a question that we hadn't talked through. We didn't clear, we didn't walk out. And she says, listen, something happened when you were 15 years old that changed your life. What was it? And I'm sitting here, I'm here, dude, I'm here to talk about abortion. And, and I'm uh, I didn't have an abortion at 15, I know that. And, uh, and it's like, you know, I'm racking my brain and it's just like, in an instant, like it clicks that this woman wants me to talk about the night that I trusted Jesus as my savior and Lord and King. And, and, and man, in that moment, for the next 45 seconds, I get to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with seven and a half million people. And like, y'all, I've, I've preached 21 years. If I preach 21 more years, I'm not preaching to seven million people. But in that moment, God, God took this, this very ignorant, armless man from the middle of nowhere, North Carolina, and used him to display his gospel and his glory for all those people willing to watch. All of that in the midst of my insufficiency, my, my, my discomfort, my weakness, my failures. I say all that to say like, y'all, if God can use this blind man in John chapter nine, God can use this armless man that, that's standing in front of you this morning, God can use you. If God can call you from spiritual death to spiritual life, in Christ you have a story to tell. In Christ, you have a miracle to share with the world. And, and I don't think we can afford to be quiet about that. Like for us as the church, the most selfish thing that we can do is have the greatest world, greatest news the world has ever known and to be quiet about it. Y'all, if, if we are in Christ, we have our opportunity to put our yes on the table before the Lord and go, our God, here's my family, here's my job, here's my relationships, here's my power, here's my platform, here's all of me, use me for you. God, allow me to always have my yes on the table and to know that for the person that just trusts God with what he has, God will transform the world. And it might not be a Fox News interview, 
But it might be in a conversation with somebody you love. It might be a conversation with somebody that you walk the halls with at your work. It might just be loving your neighbor. Isn't that a radical thing? In this jacked up, contentious world that we live in, honestly, the most like countercultural thing that you can do is to be nice. And sometimes that's just, that's, that's what it looks like for us to put our yes on the table before the Lord. When the world says no, God says yes. And I pray that that would be true of us. Let me, let me pray for us. God, I just pray as we look at our life, as we look at your grace towards us, both through your gospel, through how you have made us, through just the daily graces that you give us. Father, I pray we would preach that love and that purpose to ourselves day in and day out, but that God, in view of that, we would go and we would share. We would go and love, go and serve, all by putting our yes on the table before you, all saying, God, here we are. Use us. Use us for your glory, for your grace, for your purpose. God, use us to change this community. Use us to change this world. And let it start with us, both personally and us as your gathered body of believers. Father, we love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. He really challenges us, doesn't he? That's God is able and he's big enough, right? To use us country folks in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Daniel, for your challenge, for your message, for your story. Uh, Don's going to come and lead us in a closing song, and then we'll uh, have a closing prayer. Turn to number 477. Nice number of fellows to put it on the screen, too. 477. I've been truly blessed to be here. How about you? Praise God, yes, you're from my time. I listen to you again. <laughs> and this song says, make me a blessing. Each of us can be a blessing, just in a small way. Yes, Sylvie's singing, rise to sing, make me a blessing. Others will trust him if only you prove. 
be a blessing to somebody. Oh, surely, folks, now we just sing again. Give as was given to you in your need. Love as a master loves you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed. Unto your mission be true, be true. Father in heaven, thank you for, um, for being here today yes. to speak with us uh, through our brother. Thank you for um, bringing him here. And Lord, I pray that the message that he shared from you to us would not have fallen on deaf ears, but that we would take it to heart and, and allow you, your glory, to shine through us to the world in which we live and move. Bless all the dads that are here today and, and uh, give them a good day as uh, whatever they do. May the uh, Lord um, give all that they have to all of you as they live their life as the example you called us to be. Go with us, Lord, as we dismiss from this place. May we know your mercy and grace as we come into a new week, whatever it is you have for us to do. May we do it heartily as unto the Lord. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Don't leave without saying hello to Daniel. Yes. And uh, yeah, have a great day. God bless you. <laughs>